to force march these outsized personalities back to the scene of the family's disillusion in Joliet Park, to listen to them bitch over the seating chart and over old friends whose post-divorce allegiances were sometimes painfully ambiguous, was out of the question. It would have been a gruesome sort of nostalgia, and pointless at that. A wedding is rightfully about the future if it is about anything at all. They could have married in New York, where Cynthia and Adam already shared an apartment, and in fact that was the arrangement Adam gently pushed for, on the grounds, typically male, of maximum simplicity. But the truth was that that wouldn't have seemed unusual enough to Cynthia. Too little distinct from a typical Saturday night out drinking and dancing with their friends, just with fancier clothes and a worse band. She wasn't completely sure why the idea should appeal to her at all. The big, schmaltzy wedding, the sort of wedding for which everyone would have to make travel plans. But she didn't make a habit of questioning her once. So, Pittsburgh it was. Adam shrugged and said he only cared about making her happy. Her father sent a lovely note from wherever he was living now, implying that the whole idea had been his to begin with and Warren expressed himself by opening up his checkbook, a consequence, to tell the truth, of which Cynthia had not been unmindful. She tiptoes past the couch to avoid waking Deborah, because waking her might cause her to speak, and on one's wedding day there are some trials one ought to be spared. They don't know each other that well, but little things about Deborah excite Cynthia's derision, as though they have lived together for years— the flannel pajamas, for instance. She is two years older than Cynthia, but so congenitally chilly that she and Ruth might as well be roommates at the old folks' home. The house was bought with a second life in mind, a life in which the children were grown and gone, which explains why there is only one spare bedroom. Though the couch looks gratifyingly uncomfortable, Cynthia considers a campaign to pack Deborah off to the athletic club with all the other guests— so that her maid of honor and best friend, Marietta, could stay at the house instead. But family obligations are perverse. It makes no sense at all that this palpably hostile sexless geek should be one of her bridesmaids, and one of Cynthia's many close friends' feelings hurt as a result, yet here she is. In the kitchen, Ruth, Cynthia's mother, whose last name is now Harris, is drinking a cup of tea standing up, in a green ankle-length bathrobe she holds closed at the neck. Cynthia passes her and opens the refrigerator without a word. Warren's out, Ruth says, in answer to a question it would not occur Cynthia to ask. He went to get you some coffee. We only keep decaf in the house, so he went out specially for you. Cynthia scowls at the effrontery of decaf coffee, the fetish of the old and joyless. Tossing a loaf of bread on the counter, she stands on tiptoe to search the cupboard where she remembers the ancient jams are kept. Then, feeling her mother's gaze, she turns her head to look back over her shoulder and says, What? It's the underwear. The fact that she is parading around in it, but also the underwear itself. The unhomeliness of it. The fact that her daughter has grown into a woman whom it pleases to spend a lot of money on underwear. Shameless is the word for it. All Ruth wants is a little gravitas for today of all days, 
a proper sense of nervousness or even fear, which she might then think of some way to allay. One last moment of reliance. But no. It became clear weeks ago that all this was no rite of passage into womanhood for her daughter. It's a party, a big party for her and all her friends, and she and Warren are just there to pick up the tab. For the last six or eight years, nearly every sight of her daughter has caused a certain look to cross Ruth's face, a look of, just you wait, though the question, wait for what, is not one she could answer, and thus she keeps her mouth shut. The flatness of Cynthia's stomach, the strength and narrowness of her hips, more than anything the way she carries herself with such a modesty— in a body whose nearness to the modern ideal is bound to provoke an unpredictable range of response. Self-satisfied women are...